0: Oh, hello there. If you are here, that means you are wanting to hear a legend from long ago, right? Or maybe a spooky cryptid sighting that's happened recently. Well, if that's the case, we got you covered. My name's Kimmy, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan.
1: Hey, guys. Come take a seat around the fire and listen to a loring. What's that? What's a loring? Well, it's a folklore podcast where we tell you the stories and legends of different lore from around the world. Some stories are spooky, and some will make you chuckle. But no matter the tale, we'll let you know about the creature, history, characteristics on our comedy podcast.
0: And for all you creatives out there, we have art prompts for every episode that encourages you to create something inspired from the lore we discuss. Whether it's a drawing, a photograph, a story, or even a song, we encourage you to create something
1: well alluring. So when you're ready, you can listen to us wherever podcasts are heard. And remember, that's alluring. A-L-O-R-E-I-N-G. A bi-monthly comedy podcast about folklore and legends from all around the world.
2: Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. Parts of this episode were recorded live at the first annual Asian Podcast Festival, hosted by the Asian American Podcasters Association. My grandpa passed away from COVID-19 in the summer of 2020. It was the first close death I'd experienced since I began working professionally in the paranormal and supernatural field. And as I've mentioned on the show before, being so immersed in these stories is what provided me comfort during that difficult time. I hadn't had any significant supernatural experiences of my own at that point, which at the time I was fine with, since honestly, I was kind of scared. But my grandpa's death changed that. I wanted so badly to reconnect with him. I welcomed his ghost. So one day in October of that year, I was at my altar saying my morning prayers and having my daily conversation with him. This had been my ritual since he died. I don't remember why, but for some reason, the reality of this loss had hit me harder than before. So I said, Grandpa, if you can, could you make yourself known today? I could really use it. I think after weeks of talking to his photo and never really knowing if he could hear me, finally broke me. I got up from my altar and began my workday at my computer, a few feet away. About a half hour later, something flew toward me in my peripheral vision. It landed near my keyboard. A moth. I stared at it. Grandpa? I said out loud, like a reflex. I held out my finger. The moth came and landed on it. I smiled, fighting back tears, and said, thank you. The moth then flew onto the wall above my desk where it remained for the next few hours. It's through the people I've spoken with for this show that taught me that moths in Filipino culture are thought to be the spirits of our ancestors. I think about this moment a lot and I've shared this story with many people. It's what I consider my first real significant supernatural moment and it meant a lot to me but I also frequently replay it in my mind because I wonder if it was just a really cool coincidence. Sometimes a bug is just a bug, you know? But sometimes it feels like more than that. And that's what today's episode is about, the signs we receive from the other side. First, I share a story about another family's moth sighting, and then I speak with Marianne O'Hara, who continues to feel her daughter's presence after passing. And finally, I speak with Kyle Perez, a medium with advice on how to receive signs. Chapter 1. The Luna Moth. Submitted by Amanda. My husband and I own a large home, and we decided seven years ago to section off the basement and rent it out as a large two-bedroom apartment. We ended up with the best tenant anyone could ever ask for— Her name was Karen, and she quickly became like family to us. She was Dutch, and she would call my husband and me her adopted Dutch children, as she was always feeding us Dutch food. We loved it. She came to every holiday get-together with us, and she never missed a birthday party. Karen was widowed prior to moving in with us, and she never had any children of her own. In June of 2020, We had gotten the message from Karen's family member that they were having trouble getting a hold of her. They asked my husband and I to go into her apartment and check on her. That is, unfortunately, when we discovered our best friend forever sleeping. She had passed away in her bed, and it was determined that she passed in her sleep from coronary artery disease. We had to let her family know so that we could make arrangements and gather her belongings. This was one of the hardest times of all our lives, as Karen was loved so deeply by us all. One evening, when her brother and sister-in-law were here collecting some of Karen's stuff, we decided to sit by the fire and have some drinks, cry, and reminisce about one of the loveliest people to grace this earth. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a giant, bright green moth fluttered past all of us and almost landed in the fire. This moth had to be seven to eight inches long. We all commented on how it looked like a fairy because it was so big. My husband and Karen's brother are avid outdoorsmen and not one of them had ever seen this type of moth before. We all started saying that it was Karen, sending us a sign that she was with us. The moth flew around the fire again, then landed on Karen's apartment door that looked out to the fire pit where we were. It then flew around and landed on each person's chest. At this point, I was very intrigued and needed to know what this was. A quick Google search determined that it was a Luna moth. It is rare to see a Luna moth because they don't have long life expectancy as adults. I read my Google findings aloud. Luna moths signify new beginnings as they represent a continuing quest for truth and knowledge, the gift of intuition, psychic perception, and heightened awareness. Things that are associated with seeing the light. They can also represent the spirit itself. So we were all pretty excited to learn that and thought for sure it was a sign from our friend, Karen. Two days later, I got a text message from Karen's brother He said, you're not going to believe this, but there is a giant Luna moth graffitied on the side of the funeral home where we had Karen cremated. He sent me a photo and I couldn't believe my eyes. He was right. It was amazing, a giant mural of a Luna moth. What are the odds? This confirmed to all of us that she was with us that night. Letting us know she was okay, and letting us know her spirit was still with us. Attached are photos of the Luna moth we saw that night, the graffiti Luna moth on the funeral home, and the tattoo I got in memory of her. Thank you for sharing this story on your podcast. Due to COVID, our friend Karen still has yet to even have a funeral, and it bothers me daily that her life on this earth hasn't gotten recognition or closure or anything. I feel like I want the world to know just how amazing she was and the impact she made while she was here. So maybe this is one way of doing that. So again, thank you so much. If you'd like to see the photos, visit storieswithsapphire.com. Chapter 2.
0: Living Memories My name is Marianne O'Hara. I'm the author of the newly released Little Matches, A Memoir of Grief and Light. And my relationship to the spirit world is is something that's evolving.
2: After Marianne lost her daughter, Caitlin, she began looking for answers to life's big questions and writing her grief in real time to keep a record of it. Apologies for the occasional dip in audio quality.
0: And at the time, people in the literary world were encouraging me, well, you know, write, write a grief book that's more in line with traditional grief books. Well, I'm not really even sure exactly what that is. But what was happening to me in real time was that I was receiving signs, messages. And at first I thought, well, I'm a grieving mother. This is wishful thinking. But after a while, the synchronicities began to pile up and pile up to the point where I said, to discount them is really myopic. So I'm going to investigate a little bit further. And what I discovered was that there is a whole world out there, as you well know. And part, a big part of my book, a big part of the narrative arc, is investigating signs, synchronicities, coincidences, etc., and coming to a conclusion of my own at the end. A synchronicity is a coincidence
2: that, depending on the observer, appears to have a deeper meaning. The moth landing on my finger the luna moth mural on the funeral home
0: they're typically interpreted as a divine message we had a birthday celebration the first year of her of her loss on martha's vineyard which is a really special place for all of us and her friends and close friends were there and the last time i had been on that island was with my daughter and there's this real long road called lobsterville beach and i decided and she and i had gone out there and we had had a wonderful day no one's ever out there. There's just nothing. You drive to the end, you turn around because the the road stops at the water. There are just a few boats there. That's it. So after this birthday celebration, so to speak, I decided to take a drive out there myself to remember the time I had been out there with my daughter. And as I was driving, I was talking out loud and saying, you know, if all this is real, how come I can't see you? How come we can't communicate? And I started crying and I said, no one will ever call me mom again. I said that out loud. And I got to the end of this long, desolate road, and I got to the boat ramp to turn around, and there was a man walking by himself, all alone out there, with a burlap bag that had three big red letters on the side that said M-O-M. And I took a photo of it. I have that photo. Those kinds of things happen all the time, to the point now where I trust them. If Mary Ann had
2: driven down that road at any other time, she might have missed that man with a bag. It's one of those moments where a lot of things had to align for it to happen. And I don't know about you, but I don't often see bags with mom written on them, let alone being toted by a grown man. What makes these moments so interesting to me is thinking about how it came together. Was Caitlin somehow influencing Mary Ann and this man so that they would cross paths? But then she would have had to have known that her mom would ask that question out loud beforehand. And how did this man first come into possession of this bag? Did Caitlin have an influence on that as well? Once you start backtracking the moments that led up to a coincidence, it makes it seem a bit more magical. But this moment is
0: nothing compared to what Mary experienced in L.A. I was almost done writing this book and I was out in L.A. And so many signs happened in a row that... I I texted my good friend, my best friend there, and I told her all about it. And then when I finished the draft of the book, she read it and said, why didn't you put in all of those crazy synchronicities? And so I did. And there's, they're, they're just one after another, after another, after another, like me being on Abbott Kinney Boulevard and talking about this portable healing garden I wanted to create in Caitlin's honor. And I pictured it like a little caravan and I'm telling my niece this in a, in a voice message, and as I'm leaving the message, a caravan pulls up and parks, and it, it looks exactly like I had pictured, and it's called Tin Can Tarot. And I decided to get my tarot cards read, and I asked about this book project, and I got the Ace of Cups, and I finished the reading, and I'm texting my husband, and I, I'm standing outside of a store, and I look up. and. David Bowie is significant in my daughter's life. Leonard Cohen is significant in my daughter's life. And it's this little store. It's very sparsely. Just didn't have much in it. I look up and I see David Bowie looking at me. A t-shirt that says breathe. Caitlin died of cystic fibrosis. It's a respiratory illness. I walk into the store. There's a t-shirt for sale with the same Ace of Cups card that I had just held in my hand. And this is a store that had very few things and it had two books. The David Bowie book and the Leonard Cohen book. And then I hear this young woman spelling her name to the cashier saying, C-A-I-T-L-I-N. We went to Jelena for lunch. The woman says, put them at table 33, which is our number. She was 33 when she passed. 33s have just consumed not only my life, but many, many people's lives, many people who loved Caitlin. Cats were my daughter's thing. The menu has a drawing of a cat on it. I said to my husband you know you're not going to believe all the stuff that just happened and he's like look at that and he like points out the window and there's a license plate that says three 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 on it so it was just one thing one thing one thing after another and then one of the craziest most fun things was st john in the virgin islands was our family place my husband and i were on a trip there and we went on boat day which was like always the really fun day when my daughter and her boyfriend or a friend would be with us and we came back into the um the harbor you know, feeling kind of sad. It was just the two childless couple people like on the boat trip and we're getting gas. And suddenly behind me, I, this blaring of the old meow mix, cat food commercial jingle, meow, 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 meow <laughs> Starts playing really loud. Now cats are my thing. Her nickname was kitten Caitlin. This guy, I turn around the, the captain of the boat is like rushing to turn off his, his phone, which was blaring into the Harbor and the name of his boat was nine lives and my blog about my daughter was called nine lives notes so that's the those are the kinds of things that just happen over and over again so according to the mediums the psychics who know they can get very creative with their signs and also can be quite comical with their signs so and and that isn't even all of it it's pretty it is it's amazing it really is
2: The frequency and potency of these moments is an indication of the bond Marianne shared with Caitlin in
0: life. She needed a lot of care throughout her life. She was mostly independent for most of her life until the very end when she needed oxygen full-time and needed a lot of help. But she lived independently, she traveled, she went to college, she had a job, she, 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 she was fine. She and I had a very close connection and there were times when... It was almost like we could read each other's minds, and we knew it was happening. And sometimes I would be doing this form of physical therapy on her, and I could hear her energy. So I knew these things really happened, and that's something I talk about in the book. There's a certain kind of knowing, and we all know what that knowing feels like. You know something deep down. No one can tell you it's not true. No one can tell you it's true if you don't know it. But you have to arrive at that kind of knowing for yourself, I think. Now, before her passing, I didn't 100% know what I believed. I just knew I had an open mind. I think my mind closed down a bit after her passing because she was so gone, so completely gone in the physical world, that the thought that she could possibly exist in any way really did seem like wishful thinking. So it took me a while and a lot of skepticism to come around to the point that I'm at now, where I believe that there is more. One of my favorite quotes of all time is that Eden Philpott's quote from about a hundred years ago that the universe is full of magical things waiting patiently for our wits to grow sharper. I believe that to be so true because pretty much everything that we take for granted in this life that we live is something that not very long ago not only would have been considered magical, would have been considered frightening. We would have been burned at the stake for doing a lot of what we do. So I understand the skeptics. And honestly, because I was so stricken with grief in those early days, I was a skeptic very much myself. I wanted to believe, but I also didn't want to believe something that wasn't true. So I was even harder on myself in looking for answers. I became an end-of-life doula. I took the training program because I've always been a, a volunteer, and I felt after the passing of Caitlin that I was ready to do hospice volunteering, to sit vigil with people, etc. And I heard about the end-of-life doula program, and I mainly took it not to really hang up a shingle and become an end-of-life doula full-time, but to help my volunteering, and also to be able to speak to the state of end-of-life care in our culture. And it's lacking, as we all know. We over-prepare for Birth and completely under-prepare for death. We, we hope for the best, and hope, as we all know, is not a plan. So an end-of-life doula is a new and growing field, and basically it's somebody that you and your family can bring in when you get that terminal diagnosis, and they can help you um, navigate that time in whatever way you need navigating and support. One of the things that I liked best about the training was doing life interviews, legacy projects. I'm a writer, I'm a storyteller, and I love people's stories. I think they're really important. And I'm actually working right now. I'm creating um, a slideshow presentation and mini workshop that I'm offering to people so that they can do a little mini life interview with a loved one or with themselves. It's a really great way to reflect on your life and your path, see if you're where you want to be, and pass on your your earned wisdom, you know, down through the generations. Because we are all temporary. We are here for a brief time. And I think it's a good thing to reflect on that. I think it gives you a better quality of life for right now. I think the question of why we have such a bad relationship with death in our culture might be due to the fact of where we all came from. We were all we're such a work hard, you know, kill yourself, don't take long vacations culture of people that that just extends into death. Death is a failure, unfortunately. One of the first stories I ever published was about the Day of the Dead festival in Mexico, where they actually you know party in the cemetery with, with their loved ones, and that fascinated me. My husband is from Ireland, and that's another whole different culture that will mourn and wail and have a coffin in the living room. It really fascinated me, even back then, that people could respond to death so differently. And I was a little horrified by both reactions, but now I'm more horrified by our reaction. Quick, have the wake and the funeral and be done with it and move on. And and sadly, so many people, all those people who hope for the best, end up dying in ICUs and hospitals. And it's not a pretty death. Many cultures have practices that are meant to keep the memories of our
2: ancestors alive, like Dia de los Muertos in Mexico, Paganito in the Philippines, and Chusuk in South Korea. And isn't that what separates a synchronicity from a coincidence? The active remembering of those who have passed? If I was there with Marianne when she was in LA, experiencing sign after sign, it would have meant nothing to me. I have no personal connection to David Bowie or Katz. It was Marianne's memory of Caitlin that made each moment significant. The line of communication between the two of them will never close as long as Marianne continues to remember.
0: Caitlin was a very um, old soul, and I share a lot of her wisdom in the book, and She's inspired a lot of people and is continuing to inspire people. The feedback I'm getting from this book has just been incredible. And that makes me happy because I didn't write the book to share a story of misery. I wanted to inspire and comfort people, and it seems to be doing that. And that just makes everything worthwhile. It feels like at least my days have some purpose now. Not that they didn't before, but after her passing, nothing seemed to matter. For more
2: information on Marianne's memoir, Little Matches, visit storieswithsapphire.com or click the link in the show notes.
0: It's not the end, and she was very um, outgoing and fiery, and she would love that her face is on the cover of all these books. And in People Magazine, she would just love that. (laughs) Before I became
2: a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full time animator and character designer and podcasts kept me company while I drew especially paranormal podcasts one of my favorites was Jim Harold's campfire I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs in fact it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary but if you haven't heard of it it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week the story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel, and also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune into Jim Harold's Campfire. Chapter three, asking for signs.
1: Oh, it was months and months and months and months and months. I kept seeing hawks.
2: This is Kyle Perez, a gemologist and medium from Australia. You'll hear more of our conversation in future episodes. But for now, I wanted to share his experiences with receiving spiritual messages. Again, apologies for the dip in audio quality.
1: It was really, really strange. You don't see these things. They're not that common a bird, but I was catching the train up to my parents' shop and at the train station every morning, this hawk was sitting on this overpass. It was just sitting there in my field of vision. Every morning I would see it sunning itself in the morning sun. And then I would go on the train and I would see a hawk flying by the train. And it was always when I was going to work at the shop. So the spiritual psychic stuff, when I was developing all of that and I remember my mum coming to me. She'd had a reading done with a friend of hers. um, And she's like, okay, so I had a reading done for me, but this came through for you. (laughs) Your great-grandfather is working with you. I was like, huh? She's like, yes, the great-grandfather of yours that died 30 years before I was born is working with you. And I was like, where the f*** is my great-grandfather working with me? It makes no sense. She's like, it'll make sense. It came through. I have to pass the message on. You go and do with it as you please. I was like, okay, thanks, mum. On my way home that day, I said, okay, universe, great grandfather, if you're working with me, I need you to show me something and I want you to show me something that I had been seeing so I know it's you. And I saw a hawk follow me along the train, like the train took off and it just came out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere. And it just swooped in and traveled alongside the train for about five, 10 minutes as I went along. And then the next morning when I went to work, it was there again, sitting there. And I could hear it in my head, hello, hello. It started to develop as a voice. I could start to feel that presence. I also went, okay, I want to connect to a crystal that's going to help me connect with you. Just a couple of weeks beforehand, I bought a crystal in an online sale um, and it came to me and it's called Angelite and it's a really beautiful soft blue stone. And I did a bit of research on it and the animal that connects to Angelite is the hawk. So I went, oh, <laughs> thank you. So now I can connect to him at any time. So the hawk is perspective. It's basically taking yourself out of yourself, seeing the big picture, being able to use your energy well, going out for what you want, being quite intelligent and basically strategy, big picture. Because I'm very in the moment. I'm very like, just do things by the seat of my pants, like swing of the moment. Let's like make things have fun, that sort of thing. And I need a bit of structure, a bit of grounding and a bit of stability and a bit of seeing the big picture for myself and especially for my spiritual side because as I said I started out doing crystal healing I didn't see mediumship and then that grew and then readings and then teaching workshops and meditation and this and this and this and and it's basically been through trusting the signs that have come through saying let yourself grow let yourself create let yourself create something bigger that can grow and can continue to grow and it always gets me out of my head because I suffer anxiety and depression it's something that I've been dealing with since I was a teenager Um, so he very much holds me to get out of my head as well.
2: I love this story. Kyle's great-grandfather was working with him before he was even aware it was happening. I asked Kyle if he had any advice on how to differentiate a spiritual sign and mere coincidence.
1: When I first started to develop and develop my connection, and the thing that I always tell people and teach people is to ask and ask for signs and to ask for very specific signs. Ask for signs if you're answering a yes question and for no. When I sort of understood that and developed that, I had clicked into the fact that I started seeing a very specific bird around me very, very frequently. It's called a rainbow lorikeet. They're not common. They're literally rainbow colored. I can show you a feather of one of them.
2: Kyle held up a feather with gorgeous bright blue fading into green.
1: People find white feathers. I find like neon colored feathers because they're connected to this bird. But basically I was like, okay, all right. I'm going to ask you a yes or no question. And I'm going to ask for a sign for yes and no. I've been seeing these birds around. Let's use them. Use what you've got around you. Use what's in front of you. And I asked this out loud. I went for a walk and I went, okay, universe, if we're working together, you're working with me. I want to see a sign for yes and I want to see a sign for no so that I can get the guidance I need. For yes, I want to see two rainbow lorikeets flying across my path. Two for yes and one for no. I had just finished asking the question and two of them flew across my path right in front of my eyes, no more than five metres away. And they screech. They go (laughs) when they go past as well because they're like a little parrot budgerigar type thing. So they're really noisy. You can hear them from a mile away. And now whenever I ask any question anywhere... It doesn't matter if I'm at home. It doesn't matter if I'm at my parents' house. It doesn't matter if I'm overseas. I'll see little parrots. They don't have to be the rainbow lorikeets, but I will see two parrots for yes and one for no. And if it's a really big yes, I see four. Or I see 20. Or I'll see a flock and they'll be like, yes! Or if I'm really disconnected, I won't see them. And I won't see them at all. And I get really, like, frustrated. And it's like, And it's because they're telling me to bring myself back down, ask the right questions. And then all of a sudden they're right there. I can be on a walk, I can be in a car going for a drive, on a train, anywhere, absolutely anywhere. And I then developed that into other animals, other signs, asking for songs, asking for very, very specific things to help me to know yes, no, or in between. And if I'm doing something like, okay, I'm going to go out and do a podcast, can you guys, you know, bring me a positive sign that it's going to be all good? The signs were good. All the things that came through were really amazing and really exciting. Or I generally know now within myself, but then I ask as that confirmation. And that's why we have like oracle cards. We ask just for that confirmation, for that connection to ourselves. I always tell people ask for specific signs. Ask for a song. Ask for a colored car. Ask for an animal. Ask for things that you know that can't be an accident. Because if I say, oh, you're finding a feather or you're finding a coin, everyone finds feathers. Everyone finds coins. These are things that are connected to all of us but for example if i know that i'm losing losing my religion losing my faith as it were george michael faith will be played somewhere and that is my grandmother that religious connection and one of her favorite songs for me personally my connection to her was sister act the two movies of sister act i very specifically remember watching at her house with her and if i'm going through a really depressive episode it will be on the tv sister act movie monday movie it just out of nowhere. Sister Act one and two, one after the other. I'm just like, yeah, it's amazing.
2: It seems almost too simple, doesn't it? Ask for an answer and you'll receive one. But that's exactly what I did with my grandpa. Of course, there have been times where this hasn't worked for me, probably because a lot of things need to align. You need to be in the proper headspace and you need to ask the right question. It's definitely something that I'm going to keep practicing, and I encourage you to try it as well. The worst that can happen is that you look a little silly for a moment, but think of the best thing that can happen. I think that makes it worth it.
1: This is something I tell people, is once we are aware, we realize we're not alone, we're not isolated, and there's so much going on around us.
2: If you'd like to learn more about Kyle and his work, visit the links in the show notes or storieswithsapphire.com. Back in October of 2020, my cousins and I went to Las Vegas to receive Batuk from Monong Lane, Wilkin for the first time. We had some really cool synchronicities happen, but the best was that we each saw our name on a sign before our individual ceremonies. Well, everyone except me. Which I thought was incredibly strange, considering there's a giant strip club in Vegas called Sapphire. I was a little disappointed on the drive back home. A couple days later, I was on the phone with my best friend, who had her TV on in the background. I was telling her about our trip, and I mentioned how I was so bummed that I didn't have that magical moment of seeing my name before my ceremony. And immediately after I said that, She said, whoa, that was weird. I just heard your name on the TV. I laughed. My sign came just super delayed. I don't think that moment would have happened if I wasn't being honest with my friend, but not everyone has someone they can open up to about synchronicities. And I understand why people would be hesitant to share. If someone reacts in a negative way, It might affect how you feel about it. You might doubt whether it was anything worthwhile at all. But if the goal of the synchronicity was to get your attention, then it worked. I'll never know if that moth was actually sent by my grandpa, but it made me think of him. And anytime I hear Moon River, his favorite song, at 1 11 PM, which is considered a divine number, it makes me think of him. Of course, there is a danger in trying to find answers in the wrong places and there are many frauds who take advantage of these vulnerable people. But personally, I don't see the risk in receiving messages if they come directly to you. So today, pay a little closer attention. Speak to someone on the other side. You might just get a response. I'd love to hear about your own experiences with receiving signs from the other side. Send me an email at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Thank you for joining me today. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash storieswithsapphire to see the different tiers and perks, like live watch parties or private tarot readings. And don't forget to subscribe to youtube.com slash sapphiresandalo, where I post an animated spooky story every other week. If you'd like to submit a story, send it to storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sindalo. Music written by Sapphire Sindalo. Special thanks to the Asian American Podcasters Association, Amanda Monroe, Marianne O'Hara, and Kyle Perez. For more information on this episode and my guests, visit storieswithsapphire.com.